morning, we are going to be talking about the next fruit. Um, and, and it's going to be two of them because they go together so well. And we're going to be talking about kindness and goodness. And uh, I, I trust that this journey, um, as we go through the, the fruit of the Spirit, which soon in the new year will lead to the, to the gifts of the Spirit, um, is helpful to you. And it's not to just educate our minds regarding this, but it's to help us become aware of the fact that this is what God wants to release through us. These are the things that should come from us as we engage Jesus. These are the natural, supernatural things that should be part of our lives. So what we've spoken about, love, joy, peace, um, patience, now today kindness and goodness, these are elements that should just be part of your life and my life. Amen? So um, I trust that as we consider these things that you will be encouraged. Galatians 5 verse 22 is obviously the focus of, our, of uh, this discussion. The fruit of the Spirit is found in Galatians 5, verse 22 to 23. And you're welcome to go read through that even more. But I want to use these two words. Kindness and goodness. And goodness. So we're going to firstly look at the word could, kindness. And just understand a little bit about it. And I'll put it up here for you. They can read it with me. And, um, and just see. The, 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 the Greek word there is a beautiful word. It's called Christotes. Christotes. Which really means, as it says there, the idea of helpfulness. As the, the needs, if I go there, maybe that's why, hey. The willingness to serve, okay, I'll read you, I won't read there. It's the willingness to serve the needs of others. It actually implies a more active expression of love um, towards others. So it's not just we think I want to be kind. Kindness involves. Action, there you go. Kindness involves action. And so I can say to you, I'm a kind person, but if there's no action that, that corresponds that, then, then it does become a little bit difficult. And so it's the tender heart that a person is supposed to have before he ever does anything. So if you want to do a kind act, just check your heart, first of all, that it lines up with what you want to do because the kindness should be first in our hearts. And that's why the, this whole thing of the fruit of the Spirit is not something that you and I can develop. It comes from engaging Him and, and just um, letting Him change our hearts. I want to take you to the first verse here. It's called, it's in Titus. There's a couple of little boys at the back that are taking a little bit of a time and uh, attention away from where we're supposed to be. So guys, this place. Focus with us. Young men, stay with me. I'm not going to look in any direction. I'm just looking up there. All right. So guys, please. Titus chapter 3 and verses 4 to 5 we're going to read. Listen to this. Paul is writing to Titus. He says in Titus 3 verse 4, But when the goodness and loving kindness. Let me read to you from verse 3. Actually, it helps us to see the context. It says, for we ourselves were once foolish, disobedient, led astray, talking about you and me, right? Slaves to various passions and pleasures, passing our days in malice and envy, hated by others and hating one another. Boy, oh boy, is that not a description of what we look like before Christ? This is a, your BC description, all right? 
Now, after Christ, because of Christ, the following happens. It says, I love this but again, but when the goodness and loving kindness of God our Savior appeared, He saved us. Say with me, saved. Saved is a massive thing. You and I, our whole lives are dependent upon whether we are saved or not. And if you're sitting here this morning and you don't know what it means to be saved from your sin, we want to help you. We really would like to help you. Because that means that you're actually still stuck in verse 3. All right? It says further on, he saved us in verse 5. Not because of works done by us in righteousness, because we're not saved by our good works. None of us can ever be saved by that. But we are saved according to his own mercy by the washing of regeneration and renewal of the Holy Spirit. But it all started from that word that he says in verse 4. When the goodness and loving kindness of God our Savior appeared. In other words, God didn't just have it in his mind to be kind to us. That kindness thought resulted in something appearing. And that something is someone. It says the loving kindness and the goodness of our God appeared. And his name is Jesus. Correct? So he's, he came to introduce to us this what we're talking about. That, that, that kindness cannot just be a thought. It's got to be an action. And so when we say, I want to be kind, then you actually say you're going to do something. But it needs to start from within. Even when Adam and Eve sinned, the loving kindness of God was already in place. That one day Jesus will come. And we see it actually throughout the Old Testament. How the loving kindness of God was even made real there and appeared to us. So what, what Paul is writing to Titus about, he's saying that, that it's the attitude or characteristic in God that led him to do something about our sad, sinful situation. There's something within to be kind. So it's not the action first. It is the attitude in God that is more important. Something in him. Led him to do something for us. Let me read to you Romans 2. Something more about this beautiful aspect of understanding that kindness is firstly found in our king. Kindness is not an example that walks around here on earth today. It's firstly found in God. And then we correspond to that. Romans chapter 2. Paul writing here again. And he, and he uses just this last statement in chapter 4, or verses 4 rather, just this last line. He says, don't you know that, the, that God's kindness is meant to lead you to repentance? And I, I, I'm not quoting this out of context because it talks about the judgment of God and we don't have time to go read into all of that. But this, this line that says, God's kindness, God's kindness is what leads us to repentance. So in other words, there's something that God's kindness does to me. The way that he loves me and that in the way that he saturates my heart, that makes me soft, that recognizes that I'm a sinner. And, I'm, and that's why we, we cannot come and condemn people about their sin. We can talk about sin as that thing that separates us from God so that the kindness of God could lead us away from sin. Which Paul is saying, it's the kindness of God that leads me to repentance, which is that 
183 degrees turnaround into another direction. The kindness of God. I don't know if you can remember the first time in your life when the kindness of God to you. When you realize that I'm a sinner and I need salvation. That's God's kindness. It's not because you're so fancy and so clever. You've got to blow that bubble. <laughs> Burst it, rather. It's, it's because God, in His incredible kindness to you, revealed to you your need to repent and turn away from your sin. So it's all God that has brought us here today, actually. It's His kindness that leads us to repentance. It's this love that, if I use that word, tenderizes our hearts. That when we start experiencing Him, we realize, gee, I... I need him. And what he does in, in doing this work in our hearts, he, he takes the sting away that we walk around with towards one another. Because of the tenderizing work of his kindness, my heart starts to become pliable and soft towards him and towards one another. And so if there is, and there's a hardness, and there's a resistance in your heart towards God, let his kindness lead you to repentance. If there's any sting in your heart towards another person that may even be here today or not here, let God's kindness lead you to repentance about that attitude that you have towards another person. And so we have no justification. We have no right to walk around with this thing in our heart. But we have all the grace to enable his kindness to take that sting away. So if there is, gentlemen, lady, currently a sting in your heart towards another person, and you could say to me, you don't know what they've done to me. Yeah, you're right. I don't know what they've done to me. And I'm not mocking that. I'm just saying God knows. But God wants to, through his kindness, lead you and I to repentance. He doesn't come with condemnation to lead us to repentance. He comes with kindness and conviction to lead us to the place of repentance. So when the kindness of God appears to you, please make your heart soft and tender before him so that it can lead you to repentance and to greater life of righteousness before him. There's such beautiful examples in the Bible, but I just want to quickly take you to one of the, how this kindness has taken effect in people's lives. Because of God's kindness towards them, they in turn became kind to somebody else. There's a story of a man called Mephibosheth. How many of you know Mephibosheth? Say with me, Mephibosheth. Mephibosheth. That one, yeah. Mephibosheth. Now, now there's, there's a story that goes before this. David and Mephibosheth. Before, before Mephibosheth came onto the scene and was heard of, David made a promise. And, and you can read about it when David made promises to Jonathan and to King Saul. David and Jonathan had this incredible friendship where they actually made a covenant with one another. And in that covenant, David promised certain things to Jonathan and said, Hey, of your household, I will be a blessing to them. And King Saul also asked him this. Saul, in that one moment of, 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 of saneness, understood that God's hand was upon David. And he said, please, don't destroy my family. Because it was actually legitimately allowed. 
that the next king could come in and say, listen, the previous king and all his relatives and all the people that belong to his household, I am I'm actually justified to kill them all. So Saul asked, hey, listen, please. We don't have time to go into the details of that, but the verses are up there. And then in 2 Samuel chapter 9, we read this phenomenal story of David keeping his promise. Just listen to this. David, uh, David uh, in 2 Samuel chapter 9, uh, verse 1, David said to one of his people and his servants in the house, he says, Is there still anyone left of the house of Saul that I may show him kindness for Jonathan's sake? I promised certain things to Jonathan. I'd made a covenant with Jonathan. I want to keep my promise. So I want to show kindness to somebody else. And so they found, um, it said that there was a servant of the house of Saul whose name was Ziba. And they called him to David and he asked him again, listen, is there somebody like that? Um, and Ziba said, yes, there is. And you can go read through the story at your own time. And it says, and in verse 6, it says, And Mephibosheth, the son of Jonathan, son of Saul, came to David and fell on his face, as he was called now to David, and said to him, I wanted to pay homage. And David said, Mephibosheth. Now, obviously, Mephibosheth, in his mind, thinking, I'm going to be killed. Tassel. He says to David, I'm your servant. And David said to him, do not fear, for I will show you kindness for the sake of your father, Jonathan. And I will restore to you all the land of Saul, your father, and you shall eat at my table always. And he paid homage and said, what is your servant? This is now Mephibosheth saying that you should show regard. Listen to what he thought of himself. For a dead dog such as I. A dead dog such as I. And then the king called Ziba, Saul's servant, and said to him, All that belonged to Saul and to all his house I have given to your master's grandson. And you and your sons and your servants shall till the land for him. And now he's even giving him laborers to come and look after him. And he says, latter part there, it says, But Mephibosheth, your master's grandson, shall always eat at my table. Then the last verse there in chapter 9, it says in verse 13, so Mephibosheth lived in Jerusalem, for he ate always at the king's table. How's that? It says, now he was lame in both his feet. Even that could have been to David an excuse to say, I don't really have to look after this guy. He's of no good use to me. But it wasn't about what it is that is helpful for me. It's what is right before God. I had promised I'm going to be kind towards this individual. And he did that. Paul, if we go into the New Testament and we're still considering this word kindness, Paul actually predicted a cold and 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 a very hard-hearted world which will which will come. And and I just want to say to you, we're in it. We're in it. Where the absence of kindness is going to be very real, and it has become that. Let me take you to Second Timothy and just see the signs. Of, an, of a world that's, that's really cold and, and there's an unkindness towards one another. We don't care about each other. Listen to what Paul says in 2 Timothy chapter 3 and verse 1 as we consider a couple of things. Just to help us understand. We have a responsibility today in this time and age that you and I are living in. 
to not just live according to the spirit of this world, but to live according to the spirit of God, hence the fruit of the spirit. And we sometimes think the fruit of the spirit, I'm like, it's like lame stuff. It's not really the big, wild things that we can do for God. You know what? These are the powerful things that you and I can be involved in as we allow our relationship with God to lead to more fruit in our lives. Listen to what Paul says about the godlessness in the last days. And we are in those days, ladies and gentlemen. He says, but understand this. Then in the last days, there will, become, there will come times of difficulty. And so here he describes what these times will look like. He says, people will be lovers of self. It's a very unkind thing to do, by the way, to just love yourself. And, and, and this is the self-love thing. You know, the funny things that, I mean, it was the other, other year, it was the, the word of the year. When we rushed, or not rushed, but we kind of fell into this word called selfie. <laughs> it was the word of the year. Because everybody talked about a selfie. Never used to have a selfie. I'm not against selfies. I'm talking about the concept of self-love that becomes so incredibly almost celebrated amongst us. How many selfies have you taken? <laughs> and I was like, oh, I laughed on. But that is really the world that we're in. There's a 18th century preacher. I mean, it's a couple of years ago. This man called Samuel Johnson said the following. He says, he that overvalues himself. Listen to it. He that overvalues himself will undervalue others. And he that undervalues others will oppose them. So it's not just, hey, I'm overvaluing myself, but I'm actually undervaluing my brother. And actually, the end of this is I start opposing him because I'm overvaluing myself. And the self-love, which is the opposite of being kind, of just considering myself, is what Paul warns us about. That these are the things that we will consider to be real amongst us. And they are there. I don't have to go in detail to tell you about it and just try to expose you know, the mistakes that are out there. It's there. We've got to focus on what God says to us is the counter, the attitude towards that. That is to walk in kindness. It's not a mushy thing kindness. It's an incredibly powerful thing. And we've got to see it in that light. Otherwise, we just are we just going through. We're going to get to the gifts of the Spirit. And you know what? There's such good reason why we're first doing the, the fruit of the Spirit. Because we want to celebrate character above gift. Your gift, with all due respect, your talents, great, wonderful. But keep them here. Don't do that. Don't let your gifts become more important than what your character ought to be. And ladies and gentlemen, we can easily impress one another with the gifts and the talents. Have you not heard what I can do? Have you not seen? Let me show you. Well, let me first see who you are. Let's firstly work on those things and let the kindness of God, for instance, be more real than all these wonderful gifts we have. We, we cannot, we cannot, we have to value one another according to the identity of Christ in you, the character of Christ. What he wants you to be. And you've got to work at that. That's why Paul says, work out your salvation. There's work involved. You've got to spend time with God so that you can become more like God. And gifts will come. Will be an outflow out of your relationship with him. 
So it says self-love. It's a crazy thing. Hey? There's no room for, for loving others and being kind. The next one, and we can spend, I'm telling you, we can spend hours considering these things as the opposite of being kind and being good. Look at the next one. It says lovers of money. Lovers of money. It doesn't say money is the issue. All right? It's the love of money. That's the root of all evil. So in this age that we're in, we will become so, um, in, so, so focused on making more money that we stop being kind towards one another. Just stop considering each other. Because, hey, money is a thing. I've got to make sure that there's enough of it. I don't have time for you. I'm busy making money. And we justify all of our efforts in that. And well done. Be, be not given any attention because you're giving all the attention to what your pockets need to be filled with. Character stuff. And literally, we can go through all of these things. Talks about the next is proud, arrogant, abusive, disobedient to their parents, ungrateful, unholy, heartless, unappeasing. I mean, look at all these things. They speak of the opposite of the fruit of the Spirit. And so we're living in, a, in an age, you and I, are living in a time where this stuff is becoming more and more apparent. And some of them are even celebrated. How people treat one another, how they disregard each other. We, we look at things, we look at movies, we look at the internet, and we see how violent things are becoming. And we always celebrate that. And when you find something kind, it's like, well, it's not really that cool. Kind is no longer cool. The opposite of that is becoming cool. And as the people of God, we need to recognize what is happening out there. These things are endemic in our times, and we have the responsibility to pursue this ourselves, as well as mentor and train those around us in the ways that are different to these. As a parent, you have a responsibility. As a mentor, as a person of influence, you have a responsibility to show what it means to be kind towards one another. The last verse in terms of kindness is from Colossians, where it says that we've got to actually take action. Colossians chapter 3, verse 12, it just talks about, Paul uses this beautiful picture or metaphor that we've got to clothe ourselves with something. As much as you're all clothed here today, well done for choosing what you came to wear, but there's something that's more important that you and I should wear. And that is what Paul refers to here. Colossians 3, it says, put on then as God's chosen ones, holy and beloved. This is what you've got to wear. Okay? And, and I mean, all of this stuff out there. If you want to take a selfie about wearing kindness, go ahead, do it. I don't think you're going to be able to be easily portray that. You can portray your Nike and your whatever that you're wearing, under armor, those things. People want to wear these things. But the real thing that we've got to wear, that we've got to clothe, and it costs you nothing. You don't have to go to the bend of a market and go look for that one. By the way, I bought this here. That, there. Hey, you can imagine, eh? It was like three bucks. <laughs> One is you don't have to go and 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 it's hard to find the right clothing in the spirit. It is there for you to choose. In Christ, you can choose it. This is what we need to choose. 
as God's chosen ones, compassionate hearts, kindness, humility, meekness, and patience. So this is what it says. As who? As God's chosen ones. This is what you and I have been chosen for to look like. <laughs> you ever wanted to know, hey, what did God choose me for? He chose you to be meek. He chose you to be kind. He chose you to be compassionate. So now, it's not where are you in terms of where God wants to position you. It's who are you in terms of what He has destined you to be. That's the question that we need to ask. We so often ask the, the wrong question. Where does God want me to go? What does God want me to do? The question you need to ask, ladies and gentlemen, is who does God want you to be? And measure yourself against that. And not be so worried about where and what and how and when. It's who that's more important. And he says, put on the who. The what? The who. There it is. A person is meek, is kind, is compassionate. So kindness is not just something that we just suddenly receive. It's something that comes from being exposed to this great and awesome king we serve. This is where goodness comes in. So on the other hand, we have kindness. We have goodness here. Goodness is also an incredibly um, nice word to use. It's in the Greek, it's agathosune, which really is implying that it's something intrinsically good in someone. It's what actually enables you to be kind. There's goodness found in you. Therefore, kindness can flow from you. But the goodness that we have is not something that we can, again, manufacture ourselves. Because we've got to find the reality that goodness can only come from God. I'm not good. Mark says it very clearly, 10 verse 18, no one is good except God alone. No one is. You may be doing good things, wonderful, but God is the only good one. And as I walk with him and see his goodness within him, it enables me through my relationship with him to possibly become the same. He actually says, we know this in, in Genesis, he made us in his likeness. He made us to be like him. So he says, I want you to be good too. I want you to reflect goodness in your life. By the way, we, we can easily stumble here. But again, make sure that goodness and good deeds do not save us. But because we are saved, we want to do good. Good deeds, my friend, will never save you. And our relationship with God and, and pursuing Him releases us into this potential world where goodness can come from us. This kind of goodness says the following. Let me read it to you. It says, I don't determine whether my deed is good. God does. Isn't it true that often we say, I think I did something good today? <laughs> I thought, you know, isn't it this a funny thing? At least I did my good deed for the week. I can relax. Why do we say that? Because we think that, in, first of all, we did something good. And then out of my goodness or my good deed, God will be happy with me. 
which there's a flaw in our theology. That we're actually saying my good deeds brings me into a good standing with God. So don't look at your good deeds. Look at the good God. Because the only one that can determine whether my deed was good is God. Because he looks deep, eh? And you may be, hey, that was a good thing that you guys did this morning, serving us. Praise the Lord. But this is the key. And I'll say this to everyone. Whatever good we do, we've got to do it so that he will be honored. And this is it. If he considers my good deed, he does it on the basis of the following, of me being in Christ first. Everything I do out of being in Christ brings glory to the Father. Everything done out of Christ, where I am the one that I want to make sure people notice. That's out of Christ. Out of line. And whatever good deed you may think you're doing, it has no good value. The good deeds that we are called to do should be done within Christ. And that's why I don't need people to know that I've done anything good. Because He knows. And that is enough. That's enough. But it's a challenge to live there. Because we, we, we love people's approval. We love people's recognition. Did you not see? Or maybe I should post it that they can see. So that maybe there could be some approval. Like, hey, 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 smiley face. You know, clapping hands, whatever it is that we use. But we know what we really need is His smile upon us. And He does that unconditionally. You relate the, the beautiful ironic blessing that Aaron was told to speak over the people of God. It just said, not when you do this, then that I will speak. It says, the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face to shine upon you. Why? Because you've done well? No. The Lord lift his countenance upon you and give you peace. That's unconditional blessing. What we want to, oh God, have you seen? Have you guys seen what I've done? Goodness is not something we aim for. Goodness is something we become. Because it's intrinsically should be who we are. Paul says, by the way, you can go read this in Philippians 3. I'm not going to read all of it to you now. From verses 3 to 8. He says, listen, all the good things that I've done, they are rubbish. He actually uses a very strong word. He uses the word done. He says, you know what? All these things are rubbish. In the light of what humans can do, sure, that ticks, us, that ticks all the boxes. But before God, they're nothing because it was done outside of Christ. Good deeds and my good deeds are evaluated not according to how much we've done, how much we've given, how much time we've sacrificed, but have they been done within the context of Christ? Am I doing it? Out of my relationship with Christ. I'm doing this for you, God. I live for you. I don't live for the honor of man. I don't live for the recognition of man. I live because intrinsically you have brought goodness into my heart because of what you've done. Therefore, my goodness can flow from the goodness present in me. That's why, how do we develop this? Psalm 34 verse 8 says, Taste and see. That the Lord is good. Taste and see 
that the Lord is good. That's where goodness comes from. When you expose yourself not to the good deeds of others and try to compare and, and outshine their good deeds and, and their kindness, it is when you see how good the king is and how good God is and you respond to that and say, God, you've been good to me. Oh, can please help me to be good to others. Out of our exposure to who he is, we start acting in likewise manner. You've got to be mindful of this also, that goodness is also sometimes tough. Sometimes it's a tough thing. Not because it's difficult to do, but it means that we have to be tough at times as well. We can't just, oh, come on, my brother, it's, it's, it's okay, it's okay. Now, Jesus, there's a beautiful example in John 2, verse 13 to 16, where Jesus walked into the temple. You know the story? You know what he did when he walked into the temple? You know that he, but he actually, the Bible says that he went and he made a whip. We consider that, this loving, kind, gentle Jesus. He went into town and he made a whip. Can you imagine that? Jesus putting this together. There was an anger in him, but a holy anger. He says, I've got to sort this out because it's not right. I can't just, oh, why? You guys are using the temple for something else. You did God. See, that's not a good thing. Oh, I'm going to make a whip. Chase you guys out of this place. Because I want you to understand that holiness before God is more important than your own comfort. And so God's goodness in that way came through in that practical way. So goodness, kindness, goodness can be in your heart, but you have to show it for it to be a kindness. It's got to become an action. You can't just feel it and think it. You have to take action regarding it. So I want to... I want to encourage you. Kindness is goodness, and goodness is who we ought to be. It's not what we do. It's who we are. It should flow from us. And sometimes goodness has to be strong and tough, and we're going to, hey, listen, my friend, it's not good. And people need to speak to me and say, Bessie, what's this? What's that? We've got to be open for that. That's why you've got to position yourself to have friends in your life that can speak into your life. Don't become isolated that there's no voice available. You're not in a position where people can't. I want to encourage you. Kindness and goodness is what God has called us to. I want to practically challenge you this morning. Two things. Sharon, are you good with those bags? First of all, I want to, I want to offer this as a, as a practical thing for you. It's not just a once-off thing. We've printed some little cards that says, just loving people, King City Church on it. At the back, there's a place for six names and two nations that you can pray into. That part of our kindness and goodness is to pray for people. And to pray for people that are particularly far from God. And to pray into two nations that you feel like God's really stirring your heart. You use this, you put it in the Bible, you put it in your wallet, you whatever, so that you can constantly be reminded to pray for these people and into these nations. Because part of our responsibility, our mandate before the Lord, is to go and make disciples. He has six names of people that are part of your family, perhaps, your friendship circle, your uh, work situation, that you can pray for regularly, right? Those cards or these cards are available there on that table. I want to give you a practical thing to, to also let the goodness of God in our hearts become kindness towards people. 
Now Mayor David Coulthard has started something wonderful and it's trying to clean the city. So we're going to give you plastic bags this morning. You don't have to go and pick up dirt or you know, rubbish and stuff in our litter. I want to let us take those bags and we've even got gloves for you as well. But I want you to be stirred by, by this call for us. It's not just a once-off call, I, I know. But in the next couple of days, next week or so, that you will go into wherever you feel God's leading you to take your plastic bag, bin bag, with your gloves and go and pick up rubbish. And not for somebody to see you. Not just to do it and so in, in return for a favor from somebody. And don't ask your gardener to do it. You do. It's easy. All right? Amen. We, I, have, I have a friend who, I mean, years ago, when they were doing, um, I will not mention the name and the country where they're from, but when they would do um, tea duties on a Sunday, the people that are on duty will bring their, their people that work for them at home to come and serve the tea. I'm like, oh, that doesn't work. It's not kindness to others through somebody else's hand. I'll pay them to be kind to others. No, that's not what God asks of us. He says, you make your hands dirty. Even got for you that it may not become that dirty. But this is a challenge. I want to ask you, and you're not going to report to me. I'm going to do the same thing. I'll take a bin bag. Can I just go and walk? Where is it that I can just go and walk and stop? I drive past you every day and I see this rubbish. Well, maybe I should just stop today. Ten minutes, I'll just pick up. Maybe tomorrow is another ten minutes because I don't have enough time to clear the whole place. If you need more bags, come and ask us. If you want to use a bag for your own house, that's fine. I'm not going to ask you where it's gone. If you want to just use it for your own personal use, that's fine. You live with that. But I want to challenge us to, in a practical way, go and show kindness to our city. And don't, don't, don't put it on Facebook and put it on Twitter. And, hey, look at what we've done. No, no, please. I'm serious. I don't want the world to know. It's not important what they need to know. It's what is important to our king. You got to do it that you know, but doesn't know that it was you that actually killed, killed, killed his dog. <laughs> yeah, cleaned his his yard outside of his outside of his um, his house. You don't need to tell them that. You just go and serve in the best way that you can. And this is a practical way for us to do it. So those bags are they with you? Can we get them? Before you all go, we're going to give you a bag. If you don't want to take a bag, that's fine. Um, don't take a bag for your friend. Hey, I've got the blessing for you. <laughs> all right. Let's, let's seriously take time out this week. And if you can't manage this week, whatever. But, I mean, it'll be a challenge for some of us because you've got to be intentional. And there's somebody maybe that always does this for you. Cleans your neighborhood. That's fine. Go into somebody else's neighborhood then. You drive through town, you walk through town. There's a lot of places that all of us get to that are not clean. And so we want to go and do this. We don't want the world to know that this is what we have done or what we are setting up to do. I'm going to put it on our website. I'm going to put it on Facebook. I don't want to do that because it's not necessary. And, and what you need to do through this 
is actually inspire others to do the same. You've done it. You are doing it. Take your children with you. Help them to understand. Could I ask some people just to help um, Sharon there at the back, just so that we can get these things handed out. Because um, I don't want us to leave and then you go look for a bag and it's somewhere else. But just a couple of hands that can start helping us hand out these bags. So that when you go from here, you've never gone to church where you get a rubbish bin or rubbish bag. Hey, you go home with, well, this is maybe the first time. And hopefully, I trust that it will touch hearts. Because if it's genuine, it will. We don't want to touch heads. Oh, that's impressive. We want it to touch hearts. Maybe first heart is your heart. My heart. God's not after your hand. Right? He's after your heart. So maybe this morning as you consider doing this, maybe let the Lord touch your heart first. So that through... Guys, could you come across this side? Don't just all hand out this. We've got a congregation that side. Thanks, Justin and Sam. Yay! There you go, Dion. Bless you. Um, there are gloves. So take one. Don't use it as a bookmark for your Bible. It's way too big. All right. So um, can I pray for us? Yes, there's some lovely colors. Please don't fight for a color. All right? Just accept the color that you're given. It's like that's the hand that was handed to you. All right. This is beautiful. Gloves are available. And then prayer cards are available. We've been called as a church to make a difference. And it's not just through a combined effort. It's through your individual role that you can play. And listen to this, please, as these bags are handed out. You know what this can be for us as a church? It's a prophetic action to put into practice what we believe God has called us to be in the city. And it's people of transformation. As much as God transforms me, my heart of selfishness, I don't care about that area. I just want my street to be clean. But now this is a practical way in which we can go and just walk the street and just go and pick up stuff that shouldn't be there. And I know people shouldn't litter, but maybe your effort in picking up is an opportunity to tell them, hey, listen, let's stop littering. Actual fact, the other day I was driving. Listen to this. I was driving up a road in town and I saw this gentleman walking and as he walked, he chucked this piece of paper. So I stopped, I picked up the piece of paper, and I slowly just drove next to him. I said, hey, my friend, I saw you. <laughs> he says, I'm so sorry. I said, please, together, we want to make a difference in our city. Won't you? And he took it. I don't know if he threw it away again in the road. I don't know. But at least I had a moment where I could possibly influence somebody else. So God bless you. Let me pray for us. <laughs> it looks beautiful. I love it, eh? All these colors. Don't go... Cover your books with these names. If you're a school student, it's the end of the year. And anyway, it's too late to cover them now. <laughs> Let's pray together. Father, we, we do want to thank you for just this beautiful privilege we have of sitting under your word and sitting with your word and letting your word challenge us and speak to us. I pray, Holy Spirit, that as we have just shared from your word about kindness and goodness this morning, I pray that it be something that will remain part of our lives forever. Not just for today, but forever. I pray, Lord Holy Spirit, that it will be 
ingrained into our spirit, deep, deep, Lord God, that it will be part of who we are. And I pray that practically, Father, even as we pick up prayer cards to pray for people and as we take these bags to go and clean practically somewhere in the city, I pray that it will be a, a challenge for us, Lord, to consider not ourselves, but to consider others better than ourselves. And that as we go out, we don't go out with a banner that says, Watch King City Church. We go out with a humble heart that says, whether somebody notices or not, I'm doing it for my king. I love my king. And I thank you, Father, for this practical means that we can use to, to make you famous, to really make you famous. We don't have to be recognized. Not at all. I trust for that in Jesus' precious name.